Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, you name it. Plus, a couple of less productive approaches. After two decades of coming up short, I realized I was focused on the wrong thing. Instead of trying to fill those empty holes, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from the world and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. Thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, we're chatting about public service announcements for grief. This will be the seventh one that we've done, and I've entitled this Holidays Suck, or do they? As we approach the holiday season, it might be helpful to know that if you're in grief, it's okay to feel like the whole holiday thing just sucks. It reminds us of what we've lost. Holidays are like every day without our loved one, but with a big thick highlighter over bolded print that reads, this is hard. If you're not in grief, but know someone who is, please also know that no matter how dressed up that person is, how festive he or she may seem to be, or they appear to be doing fine, there's a part of that person that is not fine and may never be fine. When we are grieving, we may put on a good show. We may look okay on the outside, but on the inside, we may be working even harder than usual to mask our pain during holiday time. We know the pressure is about to rise, so we try in different ways to launch preemptive strikes before the festivities, trying to ward off attacks by grief gremlins. This is what I do. Fake it until you make it, right? I share this because I'm about to experience my 24th holiday season without our daughter Alexis, and it never gets easier. There are things I have learned to layer into my holiday schedule that make it bearable. But waking up on Christmas morning without our daughter and also without our son, Emmanuel, who died at birth in 2002, just sucks. I'm not sharing my experience to bring doom and gloom into the festive season, but rather to empower you to know that it's okay to feel bad. And if you're supporting someone who has had loss, to give you that insight that they may be buttoned up so well, but inside they might be screaming things like, quote, get me out of here, unquote, or can't we just get past this day already? Unquote. Or one of my favorite chorus lines quote, What is the shortest path from here to my bed where I can hide? Unquote. Grief is so isolating. We don't mostly even talk about it, especially in my life where my losses are relatively long ago. Honestly, very few people 
even ask me about Alexis or Emmanuel during the holidays. I've spent many years white-knuckling my way through the last two months of each year, numbing with whatever anesthetizing agent I could find. I remind myself that once January hits, it will all be back to status quo grieving and the pressure will somewhat dissipate until next November. If this post uh, content has landed so far and you want to leave it at what I've already shared, thanks for listening. But if you're interested in some of the holiday strategies I have employed that have made the season more bearable, here are just a few. One, make space for your grief so it doesn't sneak attack you when you aren't looking. One way I've done this in the past is to attend the annual Compassionate Friends candlelight service in December. Another is to carve out time for myself to walk, meditate, pray, and just be with my grief. I've started many Thanksgiving and Christmas mornings with an early solo walk or run. I also have candlelighting rituals of my own that bring a sense of calm to my environment. An advanced trip to the cemetery to make some space is also so hard, but effective. Whatever you do, take Stephen Covey's advice and be proactive. A mantra I lean on is to remind myself that I can deal with my grief or my grief will deal with me. I know this to be true for me because as many times as I've tried to hold on tight and get through without making space in advance is the exact number of times it all came crashing down, irrelevant of where I was at the time. Number two, schedule your plans in advance. First, get curious about what, if any part of the holiday season even seems enjoyable. Maybe there's a particular friend, a tree lighting ceremony, specific music, or a traditional event that you or someone else hosts every year that you actually like participating in. Use that as an anchor to plan around. And if there's nothing that brings you joy, you may want to plan to stay in bed and watch TV all day in your pajamas. No shame in that game. But having some things lined up on your calendar may ground all the free-falling feelings that emerge in between. Number three, volunteer. Perhaps I should have led with this one, as it is the absolute fastest way to neutralize grief by way of converting pain into generosity. Taking the focus off of ourselves is the most direct route I have identified to give my pain a space that is productive. And I'm going to repeat that because it bears repeating. Taking the focus off of ourselves is the most direct route I have identified to give my pain a space that is productive. For example, several Christmas seasons ago, I collaborated with a few close friends and their kids. We asked the children to tell their grandparents that in lieu of stocking stuffers, they would like Target gift cards. We collected the gift cards in advance then made dozens of handmade cards for children with positive expressions on them and encouraging messages. All five of our children, including Zachary and three moms, drove to Children's Hospital just before Christmas 
and delivered the handmade cards for the patients at Children's along with the gifts. Number four, donate. Monetary donations can also be powerful. You can make them in honor of your lost loved one, even if you keep your intentions private. You can also donate clothing, food, and other resources to local charities. I initiated a food bank drive many, many years ago and asked that everyone who joined us for Thanksgiving bring a food or monetary donation. You bet, I pass that cup every year. Then I wait for Giving Tuesday to donate it all as one lump sum. Many charities have anonymous donors on Giving Tuesday who will match all contributions. Giving Tuesday is the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, by the way. So if we donate $100 and it's matched by an anonymous donor, it becomes $200. The food bank reports that they can provide roughly three meals for every dollar spent. By all of us pitching in our change in cash, before we know it, we just help provide 600 meals. I don't tell this to everyone uh, that I'm honoring my children by doing this, but I know, and it really gives me something to focus on. I've developed a list of friends who send me money each year also. They aren't local, but they just know that I'll be organizing this, and they want to participate. Five, adopt. Adopt a cause, a pet, a patient, an organization. Rather than the widespread generosity of donating, which is awesome, but somewhat impersonal, you could choose to sponsor a specific family a shelter, or a charity like hospice that may resonate more personally. In 1997, which was the first Christmas after Alexis died, her dad and I reached out to some nurses we knew at Children's Hospital. We asked if they could identify a little girl in need of what we could, in need that we could make a nice Christmas for. We got her wish list, which I remember from 1997 included a pillow and a blanket Even though I couldn't shop for my own daughter, it gave me comfort to engage in this more personal form of generosity. We delivered the items anonymously, along with toys and other items for pediatric patients on the unit. We drove them there on Christmas Eve. I just couldn't face midnight mass, which had been our tradition, and this gave me something to focus on. Number six, and this is the last one. Sleep. (laughs) Give yourself the rest you need. This goes for everybody, not just grievers. We don't talk a lot, though, about the physical exhaustion that comes with grief, but it is real. Resting and rebooting as much as possible gives me a better chance at feeling physically good when I do make a social commitment. So those are the six strategies I've identified that have at least helped me through some of this, um, some of the holiday seasons. Again, the first one was make space for your grief so it doesn't sneak attack you when you aren't looking. Number two, schedule your plans in advance. Number three, volunteer. Number four, donate. Number five, adopt. And number six, get plenty of sleep. There is no one way to manage grief through the holidays. There are things I do annually that are just the same. Others, I start to let go of. 
and yet others I'm trying for the very first time. It doesn't matter what you do, just that you give yourself permission to let these parts of you have space so you can free up the work it takes to hide them and make room for some fun and maybe even some new traditions. That way, even though the holidays may suck, they might also not suck as much as we thought. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. I thought it was appropriate to share some of these as we're turning the corner into Thanksgiving week and well into what becomes what seems like one um, one gut punch after another. <laughs> Just call it what it is. Um, so yeah, if you're new to grief, this might be an exceptionally difficult um, season for you, but I stress the self-compassion piece. And again, just my experience in two and a half, almost decades of doing um, holidays without my daughter is if I don't handle my grief, my grief will handle me. And it won't matter if I'm driving a car or if I'm giving a speech or if I'm opening a present, eventually it will just take me over. And what I've learned is that if I can integrate some rituals, maybe some new things, and definitely generosity wherever I can, that I will have a better chance at actually enjoying myself also. If we allow the joy to be there, we can also allow the pain to be there and vice versa. Let's make room for all of it and do the best we can to enjoy the wonderful parts of our lives that we do have, despite our aching hearts. Thank you again for joining, and I look forward to any feedback or other strategies you may be using to get through the holidays or other seasons at lisamcfarland.com. Until next time, stay present, stay grateful, stay healing, and as always, thanks for listening.